0: So we're in this uh, series that we're calling the All Things New series. It's not super long. I think we have a slide. And this week and next week, I'm asking the question of how do we change? How do we become people that actually have access to everything becoming new? So this week, I'm asking about the role of the Holy Spirit in that process. And then the following week, I'm asking about uh, the role of community. Is this thing okay? Hot. Yep. It's hot. It's really hot. Can't to hear you. <laughs> so, uh, my New Year's resolution. I I set a number of them. One of the ones I set was oriented towards fitness. Maybe a hand up in the room if that was yours as well. <laughs> Curious to hear your story how that went. So I I set out with great ambition lofty goals. And then on about January fourth, my life just got busy. I just got super busy, and I perfectly justified uh, going across the street to the 24-hour store and capitalizing on a deal. For five bucks, you get four bags of candy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was four four days into my New Year's resolution, and it was just a, a miserable fail. So uh, I have some. Uh, What's that? Well, great, I know, four days. And the story gets better. I, kind of, I, I came back to the straight and narrow again, so. so I, uh, to console myself and maybe a few other of you guys who don't have the courage in this moment to, to tell one, I want to read to us some Forbes health stats about uh, New Year's resolutions and what people have picked in like the, the pool of people they have in the stat and some percentages of their, of their success. So, uh, for 2024, the Forbes Health One Poll Survey found some resolutions to be more common than others, and the most popular included improved fitness, 48%, improved finances, 38%, improved mental health, to lose weight, 34% to improve your diet, 32%. And the last few uh, included more traveling at six. Meditation, more regular meditation, 5%. Less drinking of alcohol, three. And performing better at work, three, uh, and also three. So they said on average, uh, in this poll, people got about 3.74 months before like that cataclysmic fail of what they set out to do. Um, in 12 months. So here's some of the stats. Only 8% of those respondents tend to stick with their goal for one month, while 22 lasted two months, 22 lasted three months, and 13% lasted four months, 5% nine, 6% five, and guess uh, who has left at 12 months? One percent, bingo. One percent of their entire pool of, of people only lasted, uh, the the 1% can only make it the way. So they have this quote, if you find yourself in the camp of setting lofty goals for the new year only to find yourself falling off the wagon just months or weeks later, rest assured that you are not alone. In fact, failing at new year's resolution is so common that there's even a slew of, in quote, unofficial dates commemorating such failures some sources cite Ditch New Year's Resolutions Day on January 17th, while others denote the second Friday in January as Quitter's Day. (laughs) 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 Hey, I I came back to last week. I haven't heard a single update about how yours are going. (laughs) Uh, so you're a reader of the Bible, you don't get too many pages in. Until you discover that what people set out to do is not what they actually do. You get to page three and you discover what people say they're going to do, they don't do, and what they say they're not going to do, they end up doing. So this morning I want to take us down a line of thought asking the question of of who is the Holy Spirit and in the language (laughs) of the New Testament, what is his function as a helper or a healer in the life of a Christian? How do we come back to that straight and narrow, in other words? So just to comment on another study, there was a study done in 2016, a nationwide study done in America asking followers of Jesus this question, well, who is the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit a person or is it a force? And there was a, it went in a landslide direction. Any guess of, of what the, the response was? A force. A force, yeah. Over 70% of the followers of Jesus in this poll in the U.S. said that the Holy Spirit is not a person, it's actually a force. And that stat alone, we're not that far from 2016, we're not that far from the U.S., should make us ask ourselves, do we actually have a robust, nuanced, biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is? Can we answer, is the Holy Spirit a person, a force, a he, a she, you know, is it the Father? Is it Jesus? Who is the Holy Spirit? God's Spirit. God's Spirit. Yeah, you're you're, you're like a step ahead of me there. <laughs> so I uh, I'm stealing some content from a few months ago, uh, and it's I, I did this way bigger teaching on the Spirit, and I walked through the Old Testament, and we did this word study of of the word Spirit, and we went into the New Testament. We looked at all these different developments of Jesus and and his relationship to the Spirit, what happened at the beginning of his ministry and at the end. And this morning, I just want to quickly paint a portrait, like one of those 30-second painting portraits, of how the Old Testament captures this initial foundational understanding of what the Spirit is that we absolutely need as we head into the New Testament to understand all of what's there with better clarity and unlock more understanding. You guys up for the task? It's going to be, it's going to be uh, like five to ten minutes of, of fire hose situation. So hopefully I, hopefully I make it interesting. Some people don't know that they're blasting the fire hose. I'm pretty I'm still aware I'm blasting the fire hose this morning. So let's, let's hang in there. So uh, I have a bunch of slides down. This is where we're going to be working together. So the first slide we can put up is in Genesis 1, uh, verses 1 to 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So this is the first instance in the Bible where we run into that word spirit. Sounds familiar, probably to that last sermon. And there is God. We read of God. And then there's creation. But creation is chaotic, it's a wasteland, it's void of of any life. But the Spirit of God, in that situation, is hovering over that empty empty land. And that word uh, hovering, we only hear of that one other time, and that's in Deuteronomy 32. And the word hovering in that passage is referring to a bird hovering over its offspring. So, first instance of the Spirit, which to pay attention, first instance of the Spirit, something that we should pay attention to. So moving on, thanks for engaging with the fireworks, guys. Uh, The Old Testament word for spirit is ruach. So if we all put our hands in front of our mouth and you said ruach, what do you feel? Great breath. So there is uh, that's that's the old that's that's one way that's one of three ways that the Old Testament captures this this meaning of the spirit in this word ruach. So the, the New Testament way you say it is Pneuma, and that's where we get the English word for pneumatic tools. It's the Pneuma, it's the Spirit, it's to do with breath and air. Then there's uh, there's three big definitions of what the Spirit of God is in, in uh, or sorry, what, there's three big definitions of what Ruach is. So we did the first one. We put our hands in front of our mouth and we felt that there's breath. Say if I was, uh, I was camping in the desert, and I was with a buddy, and I got worried in the middle of the night that I'm like, oh man, is he, he alive? But I wasn't so worried that I wanted to check his pulse. What would be the initial thing that I would do to make sure that my friend is alive? if he Yeah, see if see if he's breathing. So there's this connection in that word ruach of one, the breath that, that's coming through, but breath that also means life. So Ruach means literal breath, but it also means breath that means vitality and life. So another situation. Say so, you know, it was a hot summer's day, I'm in a Soyuz, uh, nobody's around me, I'm walking, it's the evening, and I'm just getting pelted with sand. What is bringing that sand, what's propelling that sand to hit me in the face? Deans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good answer. has this robust, nuanced definition where it's breath meets life meets wind. So, what's the primary function of Ruach? So, again, let's put our hand uh, in front of our mouth and say something. Say, say whatever. Say your name. And what do you feel? What do you feel on your hand as you're speaking into it? Something. Something. So there's this relationship between our breath and then the words that are spoken. And I want to turn us to a passage that's Genesis 1-3. So we read that first part. And then God said, let there be light. So God said something, and then something happened that created life. Uh, And then between that, God saying something and it being formless and void, the spirits hovering in that wasteland. And the motive of the Spirit is to do what? It's to bring life. It's breath, vitality, wind, bringing life to chaos. I want to turn to another passage, Psalm 33, verses 4 and 6. For the word of the Lord is right and true, he's faithful in all he does. The Lord loves loves righteousness and justice, and the earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, pay attention to that, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. You guys are unlocking some understanding. So whatever God said
1: came into existence.
0: Yeah. God. When God speaks in Genesis, it brings life. And the activity of the Holy Spirit yeah. is, is to, to do with that transformation. So uh, we have life. We're all breathing this morning. So where do, where do we get our Ruach from? Where did, What's the story of how humanity found Ruach? I want to turn to another passage. So this is Genesis 2, 7. So then the Lord God formed a man, Adam, from the dust of the ground, Adama. So it's like Adam is the dirt. Sorry, Adam is, we we were dirt, and then God breathed Into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So God breathed into dirt, and something came to being. That apparently is where we get our ruach. That's why we feel something against our hand. So the interesting piece there is that if God is, if God is behind this all, it's all to do with God's ruach bringing life. God is speaking. The Holy Spirit's hovering. That means something for us. That means that everything is, is to do with God creating and then sustaining life. So what's what's also really interesting is that the portrait that we receive in, in Scripture is not that God is an absentee parent or who has like an, en- an engineering degree who's just set up this perfect mechanism where everything works together and then he leaves it. Instead, we see this these three motions of creation, To, want to get this right. Creation to presence, the spirit's hovering, and then to sustenance. There's, there's more and more coming. So ruach, this is the end of the spiel, is not uh, an impersonal force. So I, I think that seventy percent in that stat was, was probably mostly wrong. But instead, it's God's personal presence that hovers over. And, st- and sustains life, and then life and death themselves are contingent upon this Ruach. <clears throat> okay, we're there, we're done. Fire hose off, shut down. Yes. <laughs> so uh, just to think a bit practically, uh, a metaphor that comes to mind of how does the Holy Spirit work practically in the life of a Christian? Uh, this, this metaphor of my apartment renovation comes to mind. So I, it, it's like almost expected that I'd be talking about it. It's just, it's consuming and it's been on way too long. <laughs> so I want to show some photos of the apartment renovation at its, at its full, full on worst. So I bought this place and it was formless and void. and <laughs> <of working> <laughs> So then all of those walls came down. It's another photo, there's another photo. So those were, those were all walls. There's another photo. See it? Not not really good for a human inhabitation. But I was I was living there throughout the whole entire time. So last summer I spent like, I guess there's 90-ish days in summer, I spent like 65 days sleeping on my balcony just because everything was <laughs> formless and it's not, it's not meant to be slept So there's been this really cool process that I'm even experiencing this morning of where I am regaining basic functions of what it means to like live in a place that's meant to be lived in. So this morning I had a baseboard heater for like the first time in a year. And it is so soothing just to have like that basic warmth back. <laughs> or like, it gets, I'm not gonna share all the gory details, but it just gets worse. Like I was without a kitchen, I was without a bathroom. Uh, like I was just without everything for a while and it was it was miserable. And I would connect the experience of the Holy Spirit and regaining those basic functions as a, as as what happens when a Christian journeys with the Spirit in his or her life. The things that were set that were not they were chaotic, they were formless. They weren't like they weren't going to be flourishing. The Holy Spirit comes in and brings life and restores function. In ways that it, we couldn't do our inner, in like our own strength. Uh, so this this might all be like interesting, but it, it might still feel a little bit abstract. Uh, how the spirit works, and I've only really used one metaphor to explain how it works practically in the in the life of a Christian. So I want to just quickly turn to the Apostle Paul and read his really direct comments in Galatians five of what will happen to somebody who's sincerely uh, seeking the Spirit in their life. They're sincerely pursuing the activity of the Spirit in their life, they want more life. So I'm just gonna read the first half. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Speaking of, of people that are now following Jesus. So I say, walk by the Spirit, not just by the force, but walk by the Spirit as in the personal presence of God that's empowering you. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So before you read this next section, or as we read it together, or maybe somebody else can read it, I want you to bring somebody to mind who, or maybe you bring them to mind as we're reading it, who is really kind of, if, you're, if you know those, those uh, fruits of the Spirit, who really represents those fruits of the Spirit. So draw, draw that person to mind. And it's usually these types of people that have, are older, usually. They've matured. Like life has delivered the hard knocks, and they've come through the other side. So if that's, let's all try to think of somebody like that in our own world. Anybody keen to read it?
1: I'm going to leave it there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, health, uh, forbearance, patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, Let us keep in step with the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying each other.
0: Thanks, Darcy. Awesome. Did you guys draw somebody to mind who just carries those characteristics? Those are usually forged through hard knocks in life.
1: Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And, and, And Ben, if I may say, Uh, There's one thing I have a problem with, and and that is being envious of somebody else who's succeeding and here I am struggling. I I am envious, I'm envious of somebody who is succeeding and I'm struggling and I, I struggle with that every day. And I'm honest with myself. If I were to say I'm not envious of somebody,
0: I'd be lying. Thanks for your honesty, Darcy. I think hang on to that thought. There, there's a bit more to come down the pipe. Uh, who I think of when I uh, when I read that is my grandma, who I'm going to see after this. She lives on the Sunshine Coast, and she's 92. And what so impresses me about her is that even in her old age, it's like somehow she she wakes up with tasks to do. It's as it's as if this because she's a she's like a Christian. The spirit is, is moving in her being. It's as if the spirit of, of God, although her body's declining, it's like the spirit is animating her inner life and keeping her mind sharp that she's still a, a person of learning. So just to close off, I want to leave, leave you guys with kind of one, one more illustration, a quick story, and then a thought to take away. So back to New Year's resolutions. You guys are off the hook. <laughs> Okay. So I I have really enjoyed making goals, like in the last uh, five years of my life, and I I make tons of them. So even on my, my Monday off, which is like I'm spo- I'm supposed to be leaving anything to do with like working and achievement. I'm just supposed to be relaxing. But something that I do that I just brings so much joy to me. Is I look over this list of goals that I have for like the next month, and the next year, and the next two years, and the next five years of my life, and I just delight in it. Like I'm, like I'm, I'm proud of the achievement happening. I'm excited for for what's to come, and that's one one genre of goals that I have for myself. But then there's this other genre, and those are controllable goals. But then there's this other genre that I don't think that's just in my life that. Of, of desires and aches and longings of the type of person that we hope to be but that for some reason we perpetually fail to be. And that list, I don't, I don't put on the goal one because I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't really control that area of my life of, of whatever it is, whatever that ache is. So there's the controllable ones and then there's these uncontrollable ones that I think all of us have where we long for things, we long for breakthrough. But we don't really have an option in our own strength to solve that problem so i like i love how this one pastor uh, breaks down how the spirit can be working in our life he says at first the spirit working in our life there can be these big big breakthrough moments and the spirit's working to bring healing and that is one moment in time where something happens where something's unlocked it's rewired it's unwired and we experience heaven touching down and it's, a, it's something to just, it's dramatic and it's something to be so thankful for. It's, it's usually happening not in our, on our own timing but in somebody else's. And then he makes the point that there's also these other moments that are part of the process where it's a thousand ordinary moments and those ordinary moments do something in our character that tee us up to receive healing in the long run. And I just think of the Apostle Paul's comments in that situation where he talks about the thorn in his flesh, for some reason, he's not having that breakthrough moment. But the thorn's staying there. But it's doing something to his character, as teeing him up for the future.
1: But he doesn't say what that thorn
0: is. No, oh, he doesn't. He doesn't not tip his cards on that one. So I just want to finish with a story that has uh, hopefully a really simple practice for what it means to uh, walk with the Spirit and experience the Spirit as a helper. So it's it's this long, I'll sit down for this one guys. So the story is told, or I'm sorry, this is a story that I read uh, in like a book uh, from an author I love, and it is, it's taking an old Jewish story and making it kind of applicable for today. A story is told of a very pious Jewish couple. They had, a, they had married with great love, and the love never died. Their greatest hope was that a child, so their love could walk on the earth with joy. Yet there were, there were difficulties. Since they were very pious, they prayed and prayed and prayed, along with considerable other efforts. Lo and behold, the wife conceived, and when she conceived, she laughed louder than Sarah laughed when she conceived Isaac. And the child leapt in her womb more joyously than John leapt in her womb in the womb of Elizabeth when Mary visited her. And nine months later, a delightful little boy came rumbling into the world. They named him Mordecai. He was rambunctious, zestful, gulping down the days and dreaming through the nights. The sun and the moon were his toys. He grew up in age and wisdom and grace until it was time to go to the synagogue and learn the word of God. The night before... His studies were to begin. His parents sat Mordecai down and told him the, how important the word of God was. They stressed that without the word of God, Mordecai would be an autumn leaf in the winter's wind. He listened wide-eyed. Yet the next day he arrived at the synagogue. Instead he found him, sorry. Yet the next day he never arrived at the synagogue. Instead he found himself in the woods, swimming in the lake, and climbing the trees. When he came home that night, the news had spread throughout the small village. Everyone knew of his name, his parents were beside themselves, they did not know what to do. So they called him the behavior modificationist, to modify Mordecai's behavior until there was no behavior of Mordecai that was not modified. Nevertheless, the next day he found himself in the woods, swimming in the lake, and climbing in the trees. So they called the psychoanalysts, who unblocked Mordecai's blockages, so there were no more blocks for Mordecai to be blocked by. Nevertheless, he found himself the next day swimming in the lake and climbing in the trees. His parents grieved for their beloved son. There seemed to be no hope. At the same time, the great rabbi visited the village. The parents said, Ah, perhaps the rabbi. So they took Mordecai to the rabbi and told him their tale of woe. The rabbi bellowed, Leave the boy with me, and I'll have a talking with him." Just, just about there. At the same time, the great rabbi visited the village, and the parents said... Oh, sorry. It was bad enough that Mordecai would not go to the synagogue, but to leave their beloved son alone with this lion of a man was terrifying. However, they had come this far, so they left him. Now Mordecai stood in the hallway, and the great rabbi stood in his parlor. He beckoned, "'Boy, come here.' Trembling, Mordecai came forward. Then the great rabbi picked him up and held him silently against his heart. His parents came to get Mordecai and they took him home. The next day he went to the synagogue to learn the word of God. And when he was done, he went to the woods and the word of God became one with the words of the woods, which became one with the words of Mordecai. And he swam in the lake and the word of God became one with the words of the lake became one with the words of Mordecai. And Mordecai himself grew up to be a great man. People who were seized with panic came and found peace. People who were here without anybody came to him and found communion. People with no exits came to him and found a way. And when they came to him he said, I first learned the word of God when the great Rabbi held me silently against his heart. So there's that genre of goals that are attainable. Uh, we can just work our butts off six days a week and we're there. You know, the likelihood of them coming is really high. Then there's that other genre that we, that we just can't solve in our own strength. I think it's there we can insert activities that promote engaging with the Holy Spirit as helper. And in my story, it's been this daily act of kind of metaphorically and in faith, putting my head, so to speak, on the on the chest of the rabbi, and something happens in the healing process where I'm teeing myself up for breakthrough. So uh, I want to leave you guys just with a couple questions this morning. Uh, the first one is: Do you desire breakthroughs uh, and, and wholeness that you just you need help with? You know, it's not it's not controllable. It's not attainable. You need you need people along the way to join you. And you need to connect to God's spirit to bring life to places that are void and empty. The second question is, is there there like an ongoing ache in your life or a thorn in your side where there's an opportunity to redefine it, even for a season where God's saying, might not be a breakthrough you need right now, but here's here's an opportunity to journey deeper and it's going to do something in your character. Well, I'll pray and then we can, I don't know if we have another song Sweet. Well, thank you, uh, Holy Spirit, that what you have in mind for us is fullness and restoration. And from the beginning, you're seeking to bring life. And uh, we know that we encounter page three of, of Genesis um, in ourselves every day and kind of just around every day. So uh, we, we depend on your spirit to bring renewal in our life that's a place that's just underdeveloped and we haven't we haven't accessed the potential help us to posture ourselves and position ourselves and bring in things in our schedule where we can uh, develop skills that help us have, help us access all that you have for us in your name Jesus amen